we don't think of Kendrick every time we see Baby Keem. Yeah. Or when we see Baby Keem, is Kendrick coming out? That's that's okay, okay, okay. That's that's not cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. Like, think about that. Like, yeah. you know how hard it is to like shake that. Like, some artists kind of hate things like that. That was mm. the thing about Jay when he first came out because every time he performed "Ain't No Nigga," they used to boo him if Foxy Brown didn't come out. Mm. Think about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Rap in Order, the interrogation of a hip-hop album, where we take some of the culture's most beloved hip-hop albums, put them on the stand, see if they stood the test of time. Now let's see who we got on the stand today. These are their stories. And welcome to another episode of Rap in Order. I'm First Class Reg. And I'm Torian B. And today, we're getting into The Melodic Blue, which is Baby Keem's official debut album. It was released in 2021 on um, Kendrick's PG Lang. As I guess you could say, like the kickoff to the label, yeah, right, yeah. Um, Baby Keem had two previous EPs leading up to this, which were uh, Die for My Bitch and what was the other one? Shit, I can't find it, but this one, this one was led off with by uh, Family Ties. Family Ties was his official, was his official kickoff with uh, kind of acknowledging Kendrick as his cousin, you could say. Yeah, I was mad. Okay. So, like, I didn't, I wasn't really, like, familiar. So, like, um, Eli told me about Baby King, like, mm-hmm. early, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, I was very, like, uh, I wasn't, like, very, like, keen on him. I was like, all right, Baby King, like, you know. And then, like, I was like, oh, shit, he's Kendrick's cousin. But, like, I expected him to be, like, super, because his voice is so high pitched and shit. Yeah. I was kind of, like, shocked. Like, oh, shit. Like, he's not, like, lyrical, <clears throat> miracle, like, like Kendrick. Like, he's actually... Or melodic, mm-hmm. like you know, is like a kind of uh, I don't want to say like a, a a yachty or whatever like that, but it's kind of like where it's like a he's more like a, a like he's like a, a shyer a more like a shyer version of like a melodic artist that would come yeah. out in hip hop. I don't want to say yachty or like you know pigeonhole him, but like he just you could just tell like all right, cool, like he like you could like he's a stoop kid and like. He just likes music, and mm-hmm. like he, he can get his shit off. And mm-hmm. like Kendrick peeped that, and like finally gave him the shot. Cause I heard that Kendrick gave him a hard time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I heard that too, and I think I think it was cool that he didn't really acknowledge. Like there was like rumors that they were related and whatnot, but it wasn't like confirmed fully. But then when Family Ties came out, that was like a fucking that mm-hmm. was just a grand gesture, like that right. shit. And then leading up to that, we hadn't even heard from Kendrick and couple years since mm-hmm. I think I would say the Black Panther soundtrack. Right. And wasn't the Family Ties uh, out like a uh, re- um, single cover like a uh, a family photo? It was a family photo mm-hmm. of them, right? Yeah. It was a family photo and um, I think Keem because I listened to Keem back then like a while back because I believe Eli also is the one that brought it up for me but um, back then he had the two projects out and I was drawn to it of course because of Cardo. Cardo did the production Mostly for um mm-hmm. for for them, and um I was like, yo, who is this kid? Like I didn't know his ties to anybody, whatever. But I just thought his his melody was dope, his flow was dope, and he had this young, dope energy. So like I was like, all right, well, let me see where this goes. And then when Melodic Blue came out, even the, the uh, promotion for it, and then coming to find out that he did most of the production for the album, yo, so it was solid. Yeah. 
Yeah. I guess is I guess this is one of those things like when you're a kid and like your big cousin like blows up and becomes famous, like it gives you it gives you access to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And it gives it kind of like gives you freedom and it makes it feel real. Like, wait a second, like we from the the same family tree. Like if he did it, I can definitely fucking exactly. do it. Exactly. And you know, it, you just give you just need the opportunity and then when once you get that, like mm-hmm. execute. And um and just to name check, the name of that other project that I was trying to refer to was The Sound of Bad Habit. Mm. Um and it came out a year apart from Die for My Bitch, which okay. is the second mixtape. Um but yeah, Die going for my into bitch. this I like that. Right. <laughs> um going into this, I was excited because I didn't know what to expect. And also I really liked the promotion for this. It was consistent, <clears throat> the colors were dope, the album cover is dope, it's super like, you know, it's scenic, it's you know, it's moody. Um, what did you think of this album and had you visited this before, like as a full length before we got into it? Yeah. Uh, I gave it one listen when it first came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched the video for family ties. Mm-hmm. Dave free is a fucking genius. Mm-hmm. What he did with the video, um, because I got video edit, like knowing like what he, what he did, like basically like laying like the, the videos on top of video and yeah. stuff like that. And then like sliding them in. And it's kind of like telling the story and it's making a collage of different sequences was really dope. Mm-hmm. And I thought like it was like very artsy. And it's very like interesting to see that because it's like uh him being from them being from like the Compton area, um, <clears throat> this is gonna this this might come off bad, but it's not bad. Like when you hear about people from Compton, you think of gangbanging, you think of like, you know, like real hood boys in the hood shit. Like you know, NWA. That's the that's, right? the that's the influence of Dre. That's, right. That's why we think of it that right. way. Right. That's why we think of it that way. Right. Because like you know, obviously like you have like the guys that are in our future, but they're like from like the valley, yeah. and, like different areas of California. So you're like, oh, okay, cool. Like those niggas is artsy. Like those dudes. Like so. Like seeing like the vision that like Dave Free and Kendrick and everybody at PG Link have is just like so like oh shit like. Mm-hmm. Other niggas, like you know what I'm saying, like they like these niggas ain't just all about gangbanging shit and everything like that. Like they are creative There's layers, yeah. and then it's just like you realize, like because you know, like we're not from there. I'm like, oh shit, okay. So sometimes like artists from the West Coast just get pigeonholed into it because that's become like like their genre, mm-hmm. like that's just become like their norm. And that was like the first thing that like stood out to me when I listened to the project. So I listened to it and it was like good. Then I did not touch it again outside of Trademark USA and Family Size. Okay. Those two tracks, right? Go back. We had to listen to it for this episode. And like I listened to it for like a couple days in a row. Just listen to it. I didn't take any notes and things like that. I just wanted to like just get into the mood. And like this album is definitely like an album that you just listen to like and you just vibe out to. And it's mm-hmm. just like mindless. You know, like obviously like there's like a lot of things being said and like you know like uh ideals mm-hmm. but when i'm listening to it i'm like oh shit like this is just like a vibe out album like we yeah just like do some shit like ride in your car ride your bike you mm-hmm. know commute somewhere mm-hmm. um and like it just it just flows like it's kind of like a jazz album yeah i think i think because <clears throat> i think because he's so young obviously some of his um some of his subject matter is a little limited but he uses little pockets in this album to really get into some shit. Like, you know, you got a song like Issues where he talks about um, his, you know, his demons, like, you know, running from his demons or not being able to fully accept the fame that's coming to him. Mm-hmm. And um, feeling kind of this uh, this guilt of, you know, abandoning his family to go toward um, this fame that's coming toward him, yes. um, which I think was really good. And then you got a song like Scapegoats that kind of previews that, but then... Um, mm-hmm further into the album he gets a little deeper 
So like super family oriented. And I think what this album kind of tackles is, um, is how he's trying to maneuver both, how he's trying to conquer fame, but also still be there for his family and the people that was there for him in the beginning. Okay. Um, so getting into the album itself and some of these tracks, you mentioned Trademark USA. Yes. Kicks the album off. Yo, the beat switch is mm-hmm. fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually, I, I, I'll say it's my favorite track on the album. Mm. It just stays with me, and I was just like, oh, shit. Yeah. I've, I've played that song the most of any of anything on I think album. Yeah, I think Trademark USA is amazing. Um, that goes into Pink Panties, which kind of reminds me of... Uh, Reminds me of Manny Fresh production, but it's produced by uh, Che Ikro, which is this uh, this other artist on the come up, and um, and Keem himself. It sound even the chorus like pussy ass niggas, you know that shit. Like it mm-hmm. sounds like some Manny Fresh shit. Nah, it, it definitely is, and I think that uh, when I'm listening to it, I'm just like, oh okay, so like this was his kind of like um, bitches ain't shit, but hoes and trip. Yeah, 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 and um, and then like I mentioned before with scapegoats. Um, that samples this uh, newer artist, Serpents with Feet, um, that came out with a song called Redemption. Mm-hmm. And what I really like about Scapegoats is like it feels like this great buildup, right? But it just never goes into this neck. Like you feel like it's gonna be a switch up, but it doesn't switch up. It just takes you right into Range Brothers with uh, with Kendrick. Right. And Range Brothers, it's a bunch of different shit to say about it, right? Because Around this time, we was just clamoring for New Kendrick. We wanted New Kendrick. We didn't know what it would sound like at this time. And then he did the whole top of the morning, top of the morning, top of the morning. I ain't gonna lie, that <laughs> shit that shit was stuck in my head for a little minute. <laughs> yeah, and but he was getting kind of badgered online with it because people didn't really fuck with it. People was like, yo, niggas is waiting for Kendrick and this what he come back with. Like people didn't know how to feel. I have a thing. I have a, I have something to say. I think that as fans we need to like Kendrick do whatever the fuck he feels he wants to do. Oh yeah, and, like, and he, I, he fought and, for that. Yeah, and when I when I'm saying that, what I mean is, is just that like I think that's a problem that Nas had for a very long time. I think that Nas artistically wanted to do other things, but because of the era that he came out in, like he felt like he had to be like this super lyrical genius rapper, mm-hmm. and like he just like wound up like losing himself for a little minute, and then like he had like a patch. Well, like things were like really rough for him because his mom was suffering from cancer, mm-hmm. and like he couldn't get his footing. And and, like, and as you could tell now, like he's like rapping and everything, but like he's the son of a jazz musician. I, I promise you that Nas wanted to make a diff, like an alternative album. Yeah, yeah. But he couldn't because like That's he, he knew point. like the backlash he would have got. Yeah. So I'm actually really happy that like like you know like Spit Butterfly is my favorite Kendrick album, mm-hmm. and I know for a fact that like when he recorded and made that album, like he really like went out his way to dive into like other sounds and mm-hmm. do other things. So but do you think mm-hmm. sorry to cut you off. No, do you good. think do you think Nas got pigeonholed or do you think he ultimately still did what he wanted to do? It's just nah, that he definitely the, got pigeonholed. Well I don't know. He did the distant relatives album got killed for it. Yeah that's true. That's true. But I would say it was written was a departure from Illmatic and it was when you look back, I feel like Illmatic and um and it was written they are different, right? But a lot of people now feel like it was written was better because now because uh now it was written was kind of the the blueprint for crossover rap albums to okay. be a crossover crossover album but no i i think that like even with with it was written like yeah like they were like all right listen like you're you're a rap superstar now you're not an underground rapper anymore mm-hmm. so like that was kind of like laying the groundwork for like how an artist how artists 
how rap artists present themselves to the masses. Because Illmatic wasn't for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Even though like it's hailed by rap fans, it was written was kind of like a, a, a wide gauge. It was kind of like competing with what um, Interscope was doing over there with Death Row. And, and Illmatic had a wild factor to it yeah. because he was like 17, 18. Yeah, and he was 17. Rapping yeah. grown as fuck. And, yeah. and, and, you know. I think I think that Nas did the best that he could mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to appease both sides and people, and, and, and he still got shit. But no, mm-hmm. I really think that I, and I, I'm pretty sure like I could find an interview, but I, I sorry like that we veered off into this, but I truly think that Nas wanted to just make an album where like he's just like making noises. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I I appreciate I always appreciate Kendrick's artistry because, you know, I'm glad he didn't stick to just being this storyteller type MC that he was with a uh, with um with the first with the first album. Right. And he kind of he kind of pivoted and he did something like To Pimp a Butterfly and it was amazing. At first, I do remember To Pimp a Butterfly not being like well received and people kind of remember we were in Texas when that when that when Pimp To Pimp a yeah, Butterfly dropped and yeah. um we both were like. Remember, I got mad because your coworker wrote the album review before mm-hmm. me, and I, I was pissed off because I wanted to do the album review. Yeah, yeah, he wrote that shit quick. Yeah, I was so mad. I was yeah. so jealous. He was like, yo, can I? Can you guys post this? And yeah. I showed it to you, and he was like, yo, this shit is kind of dope. <laughs> back, back to the album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should get back. But um, so kind of moving back to the album, you know, you got even to highlight some of the features on here, right? Because mm-hmm. it's not that feature heavy. You got Travis Scott on here. All the features, by the way, make a lot of sense. Um, you got Travis Scott on here for Durag Activity. And at this time, Travis was kind of building up because he was about to drop his next album, mm-hmm. which never came for obvious reasons, if you look back. Um, and then you got Don Tolliver on here. Love Don Tolliver. Don Tolliver's on um, Coco. Yeah. So Durag Activity fell really flat. That was like one of the first singles, that was like actually. A down. You think so? Yeah. I liked it back then. I mean, it was the ti- I liked the title. The production was dope. The video was good too. I guess because like I didn't, um, I wasn't really checking for this project outside of the two Kendrick songs. Okay. When I come back and listen to it, I'm like, like, okay, this was the lead single. It did nothing for me. Like, so yeah. I guess like you know I don't hear it no more. It's not the type of energy that you would um, expect. Yeah, that you would expect. It's really low. The is monotone. Even Travis on here, who usually brings the energy, mm-hmm. was like pretty monotone. Um, but you got some other, I would say some other highlights on here. Um, Lost Souls. Lost Souls, the production on that is fucking beautiful. Even the remix with um, even the remix with uh with Brent Fias is amazing. Good old um, Brent. Yeah. Um, what do you think? So you said I can give you some of my favorite tracks. Yes. So Trademark USA, Scapegoats, yes, Range Brothers, yeah, Issues, Scars. Um, is it Boo Man? Yeah, yeah Boo Man. Boo that Man. was like his nickname when he was a kid. Okay, and then. Okay. Are my favorite tracks off the album. And No Sense and Do-Rag Activity, like, I I don't know why they made the album. No Sense? Yeah. I like No Sense. These bitches just, wanna ride my face. It just don't do nothing for me. Like, it's just, But it's a throwaway. It's like a, um, No Sense is like on the set, it's, it's in the deluxe. Mm-hmm. Uh, version of the album, but the actual album contains the sixteen tracks, right? Right, and um, and you got a song like "Gorgeous." Gorgeous is incredible. Um, production really carries this album because it doesn't. It's like you said, like where you can kind of just ride out and you can vibe to it, right? But then when you really listening to it, like when I was listening to it today, I'm like, all right, well, let me just jot down a few things that I might have missed, like 
he's really unpacking some shit for himself. And then granted, he's only lived but so much life, right? Mm-hmm. So he he's not really reaching that far back. He don't have he don't have that much to talk about yet. I think as he progresses as an artist, he's gonna get a lot more interesting and his art is just gonna grow. Cause I think visually he's dope. He he has amazing visuals, super subtle, super minimal, but it's impactful. One thing I want to talk about is in 2021 when this album came out, like was it highly anticipated, you think? Would you say that? Um, I think there was more curiosity behind it because of the attachment to Kendrick. So it was like, I don't know if it was highly anticipated. I think Keem was still working toward being like in the light. Hmm. But he had a he had an amazing single with Kendrick, you know. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he wasn't necessarily in Kendrick's shadow. I feel like there's still like a difference. They're still very that. different. I wanted to talk about that. So, you know how like artists like you know they try to like bring up somebody like they try to bring up like they you know they 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 their protege. yeah they yeah. protege. Do you think that like there's like pressure on Keem to like do that, or do you think like? They're like in a spaces like where they drop and like media and all that shit, like they don't even like touch them. I think they work themselves and it's just like it's just how you said with Kendrick, where he didn't kind of follow the norm of what we expected him to do. I think that's the same thing is happening with Keem, where he's kinda of like defining his own era because it's a very different era now. So like the twenty ten kids, which is like not necessarily us, but like we were in that in that mold. Mm-hmm. Like we were in that blog era. We can kind of separate the two because this Keem is like at the helm of a whole new era. It's very different when you have somebody like a Bleak and 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 Hove because Bleak was in the same era, you know. So like with Kendrick, him kind of helping usher in a new kid in a new era is different. It's not really okay. as much pressure. I get what you're saying because yeah, yeah Hove did that on the first album. Yeah, and yeah. The whole new improved Jay Z. Exactly. Okay. So like people, which kind of you know bit him in the ass because then you listen in the you're trying to listen to Bleak differently because you're mm-hmm. expecting him to be from that cloth, you know, and it just wasn't. Yeah. Good thing that he he uh, learned that lesson and left Cole the fuck alone. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. We were like, yo, why he don't give J. Cole like a look while he don't yeah. do this? But it was the best thing for him. It was. And I'm pretty sure Cole would have wanted that, but yeah. and now they look just alike. <laughs> Ain't that crazy? <laughs> Cole probably looking at him. Like, yo, you motherfucker. Niggas want to be hippies all of a sudden. You know? Um, but no, yeah, that's interesting because I didn't think about it like that. But when you think about it though, it makes sense. Like Keem is Keem is for this era. Mm-hmm. And I think low key. He's the reason Kendrick can stay tapped in because you got, I think he said he took like a um, a year or so from like even having a phone. Kendrick said that. Mm. And as being a rapper, that just sounds crazy to me because it's like, well, what do you talk about? How do you tap in? How do you still stay relevant? But then you got somebody like Keem that I think he's the whole reason why he can stay relevant. I mean, honestly, I think that's easy as hell. I think, I think uh, when you're a select, when you're an artist and you have access to whatever the fuck you want. You travel the world and you have experiences versus being on your phone and like just knowing like gossip and like mm-hmm. social media and shit like that. I feel like what Kendrick did was is like he traveled the world and that's why like he had so much to say. And I think he had like a lot of uh like inner like inner conversations with himself while he's traveling, going and seeing these things. You gotta think about it. He's this hood dude from like Compton, like his family, like he has family members that are like active drug addicts mm-hmm. and shit like that. So I just think that 
in that time, like he was able to see things that he probably never thought he would be able to like see and experience. Yeah. So I think that I think that that actually made like a huge difference um, I, for I him versus having a phone and having access and like just knowing like all the shit that's going on. Like he don't need to know like Blueface and Krayshawn are like beating the shit out of each other. I see like that because I think I think in the same sense, um, it's something like that with Hov, right? Because he doesn't seem too dialed in, but then he has like his nephews or whatever. Guru, I feel Guru. like Guru. I feel like Guru and like, a lot. Yeah, Guru yeah, and yeah. like his gossip, his 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 gossip minions. Yeah, and they his, tell him all that's shit. his filter. So yeah. like they they're able to bring him things that he should probably know about, mm-hmm. and to stay youthful in the state and to know with the culture, even if it's not impactful to your life. I feel like that's important for a rapper because a rapper. Is kind of you're kind of a news outlet in a sense, mm-hmm. like in your own way. That however you kind of get it off, that's that's what type of time you got to be on when you were when you were MC. You know, I feel like I feel like when uh, when Jay Z was doing um, Drug Dealers Anonymous and he said, "Damn Daniel," I feel like let me show him that video right then mm-hmm. and there. He did that shit. Yeah, see shit like that, <laughs> shit like that. Like even and even then, that was that at the tail end of that being a viral trend. So yeah, niggas I wonder was how like, that kid's eh. doing. He has a lifetime of vans or some shit. Yeah, man. It's fucking Ellen <laughs> hooks every all of these white kids up. But um, but yeah, back into the photo of the album. So you're the one; those are the ones you fuck with. Yes. Are there any songs that you absolutely just don't? No like? fun, no sense, and do rag activity. That's it. Fucking suck. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fuck, I fuck with those actually. I'm sorry. I, I don't know. I don't know if there's a song on here that I really don't like. Even the, the outro is beautiful. Um, all the features, like I said, they make sense. South Africa is incredible. Production is great. It's basic, but it works. Um, I think that's what I like about this album a lot too. Is that it's minimal. It has a lot of chances to get over the top, and it just doesn't. Mm-hmm. It it has this happy medium. And I will say, you know. We gotta keep bringing up Kendrick for obvious reasons, mm-hmm. but like his his last album, a lot of people didn't fuck with it at first. But I feel like it made it actually made this album more digestible for some people. Like I saw people go back to this album because of Kendrick's album, and then they was able to see his influence because I think Keem has a big influence on Kendrick. Oh yeah, that's obvious. There were yeah. there were some people trying to say that Keem was ghostwriting for Kendrick, which I yeah, thought was hilarious. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. I think Keem just just amps Kendrick up because Kendrick is so to speak, I guess, the old head now. Oh yeah. So like he amps Kendrick up and he makes this rap shit exciting for Kendrick still, even when they that. perform together. I love that. Yeah, that's good. Even when they perform together, it's dope to see. Like Kendrick had this um that Amazon um performance of his tour. I'm glad you mentioned that. I think I'm if I don't watch that tonight, I'm gonna watch it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna watch that. Which was really fucking good. Like Kendrick has turned into like a. His stage presence is incredible. I remember back then Felix saw him and he, I remember he came back and was like, yo, Kendrick's a terrible performer. <laughs> of and, course, Felix. And now, that. yeah. And now nah, Kendrick's he, came into his own. Like yeah. he's, he's amazing. Um, yeah. He's just one of those rappers now. I think going forward though, I don't know where, what's next for Keem or what he's going to do next or how his artistry is going to develop. Of course, he's still young, right? His next project, I think he doesn't need to have Kendrick on that, like vocally on the album. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like he kind of like needs to step into his own because it, it it always like uh like this was his debut album and it came out and it kind of seemed like it was like Kendrick Lamar's artist, but it's like he like if he's going to take that next step and like Kendrick's going to be taking a step back to like more creative, they they gotta like the presentation just seems very protege. 
Mm-hmm. And it need they need to stop that. Yeah. And the the association like needs to be separated. So it's like Kendrick obviously can work be very hands on with the well, album why do you, without delivering a verse. Why do you think it needs to be separated? Well, it needs to be separated because is that I I want to stop thinking about Kendrick Lamar and something I think about Baby Keem. Okay. Like, but every time means- I like because I'm just saying like we like to go back, we have the example, right? J. Cole is his own artist, mm-hmm. right? Like even to the sense where we associate Nas more with J. Cole than Jay-Z, mm-hmm. right? So, and that's because, like, there was a separation. Like, you know, Jay kind of, like, let him get his own bumps and bruises on his own. So what I'm just saying is, is just that, like, you could be in the studio with Baby King all day, but we don't need... You, Kendrick Lamar giving two verses to the album doesn't need to be a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. He did that on the first album. So what mm-hmm. I'm saying, the second project, Baby King need to work with other artists. He need to build his own relationships. He don't need to be, like, in this bubble. And, like, they, it's not like... They like they have like a, a a roster of artists like TDE did where he could just fuck with his like you know what I'm saying like his mm-hmm. people. So he needs to like work with other artists and like kind of like venture out. I, I want to see that as him on his own. I want the training wheels taken off. Okay, I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Only reason why I was like, well, I don't know if I really mind it is because like I said, like they're just it's completely it's two completely different eras, and Keem is not of the same type of cloth as Kendrick. He's like not. we know that, and I think the audience knows that. So it's like kind of just fan service to see them together at this point. I just want to make sure that we don't think of Kendrick every time we see Baby Keem, yeah. or when we see Baby Keem, is Kendrick coming out? That's that's okay, okay, that's, okay. That's that's not cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. Like think about that. Like yeah. you know how hard it is to like shake that. Like some artists kind of hate things like that. That was mm-hmm. a thing about Jay when he first came out because every time he performed "Ain't No Nigga," they used to boo him if Foxy Brown didn't come out. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Yeah, yeah. Think about that. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> what do you think is next for? What do you think is next for PG Lang? For PG like Lang, it's still it's still super new, and we can't like identify it really yet. Yeah, like I want to. Well, what I want to know about PG Lang is I want to know like you know I I know that they they have other artists. Mm-hmm. I just want to know like will those other artists like come out? And I think that PG Lang is going to be more than just a record label. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They have it's super artsy. Yeah. Um, they're gonna be doing probably some videos and shit and. You know, their roster, it's only three artists on their roster right now. You know, you got Keem, you got Tana Leon, mm-hmm. Kendrick himself. That's um, it. I think that they, they're probably going to start, like, we're going to get more stuff, but I think they're going to try to bring more art scene stuff to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And I definitely don't see Kendrick going to fucking Art Basel or anything. Like, I just feel like a lot of things that he's going to do are going to mean more, more into, like, fashion. Yeah. And, like, just art period but i just don't know how he's going to present that because like kendrick like is a recluse and like he has like terrible like public anxiety mm. social anxiety so i don't know like i i, I would love to see it i want to see it and i want to like see how it goes because like to me like kendrick is like that boy like he's like second to none yeah but i just don't know I know musically like where it goes, but I just want to see like how PG Lane like presents everything because I know Kendrick don't even, like giving interviews. He don't like talking. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna have to be this well produced, well put together interview that he does, not mm-hmm. some off the cuff shit. Yeah, yeah. He did that one time during the beginning of Black Lives Matter, and that shit went so bad. And so like I realized like that's when he stopped doing that shit completely. You remember that? No, nah, I don't remember that. So there was a there was a time like I was who, who was it that interview? I um damn I. I just thought about it now. I should have. I should have did better research, guys. I'm so sorry. But there was a time period, like, where basically he was talking about police brutality, mm-hmm. and he basically basically asked the question, like, "What did you do to make that cop do that to you?" 
and it was like a big thing. Mm. And like Kendrick, like that that was like one of the last like magazine interviews that he did. Because, you know, like he was just saying and it's like obviously you're like, yeah, like, did you like what were you doing to make the cop even come in your vicinity? But it's like, yo, you being from Compton and being from the inner city, being a black kid, like where the fucking Watts riots, Rodney King beating like happened, mm-hmm. like what mm-hmm. the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. And like I obviously, you know, maybe he was misquoted, but I know that ever since that, you know, that he didn't really do interviews like that. Mm-hmm. And it was like he got a lot of backlash for it. Interesting. Interesting. He is just one of those people that, that strikes me as like, think before you speak and like really, mm-hmm. really, you know, because mm-hmm. everybody pays attention to every word that yeah. the nigga says. I agree. Um, but as far as as far as Keem, I think what's next for him is going to be exciting. I think, you know, whether he works with Kendrick or not going forward, it's all up to him. I think he's in a really unique place where he's still building his legacy because mm-hmm. he's so young and his counterparts that are around him right now, like. I would say Don Tolliver is a counterpart, but also Don Tolliver is not a rapper, um, but he's kind of in that same field. So I think they're both two really exciting artists right now. I just want to see more from them. Mm-hmm. And I think Keem is in charge of taking charge of like his future. I mean, he won a fucking, he won a Grammy for Family yeah, Ties, which was great. Um, he produces a lot of his own shit. Mm-hmm. Um, he he writes behind the scenes for other people. Mm-hmm. He's in an amazing space. I think I, I just want to see what comes of it, um, and I want to see what they bring with PG Lang next. I think Melodic Blue overall is a solid um, debut. I think whoever is getting into Keem, this would be a great starting vehicle. His mixtapes are really fun, um, and I think it's worth checking out. What would you What would you give this? Three and a half waffles out of five. Okay. Um, I think it's it's not groundbreaking, but there's definitely like a large amount of this album that like is good and fun to listen to. Mm-hmm. I don't think he reinvented the wheel or anything like that. I don't think it's like a timestamp or anything. I think it's just a cool album. Yeah. Um, I would actually agree with that rating for three and a half. Three and a half because it's it's really fun. Um, the production is great. It has these really high moments that like you know. I'm just looking forward to where he goes next because this this wasn't a letdown in in no sense. Um, everything everything that he had on here is super particular, even down to the sequencing of this album. It all flows together the way it ends, kind of leaves you wanting more. So I, I really want to see what he has coming up next. Um, I do encourage you guys to check it out. I want to see what you think. Let us know in the comments. Um, subscribe, of course, to First Class Breakfast YouTube. I'm First Class Reg. And I'm Torian B. And we're out of here. Catch you guys next time. Good one. Dun dun.